from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome back to the Jack and Spike Show. A record number of Americans can't afford their rent. The FF, uh, FAA head says that Boeing is not delivering a safe aircraft. Wish she would have gone on Wikipedia last night, just like how I did, because you'll notice a bit of a track record with old Boeing, but we'll get into that in just a couple of you. The bolts are to blame, I suppose, but the bolts aren't made by Boeing. Interesting, nonetheless. But also, SPD, uh, they busted a couple people with a ton of drugs. Oh, yeah. I think we should talk hear about. about that, too. Eans, that whole thing with Inzi, though, and the, and the Kraken piercing the corporate veil of, of oil companies, though, mm-hmm. that's a little bizarre, right? The fact that he wanted to, uh, to open up the books? Yes. It, well, it was it was turned down by the legislation because it was going to cost $15 million. Right. But also, is they haven't committed any crimes. No, no, well, They're not being well, accused of committing any crimes. And mm. so you then... It, so in order to pierce the corporate veil, you have to have some kind of legal justification. Do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A, cor- a corporation is a legally protected entity, right? Okay. And so... They, and they have the, a certain amount of right to privacy when it comes to the ongoings within their business. That's true. But what if you're selling, say you're selling food to Washington, say you're a meat meat producer. Right. And you want to sell it in Washington. You're required to show your books and meats, how, how meats, it's safe, meats right? It's different. Have you looked into like the way that Tyson fixes prices and all oh, that? I don't know about that. Okay, I don't right. About that. So, but I, I, well, I guess here's the thing Inslee's argument was that they're price gouging mm-hmm. and that the Inslee administration, the, the Democrats of Washington, are being blamed for this prices because of our cap and trade. Why doesn't he have, that. Why doesn't he have Bob Ferguson bring a case saying, I have evidence that these companies are price gouging, right? Uh, that's that, that maybe an avenue. But, well, but he doesn't have a case. He wants to do it extra judi- judiciously, which okay. seems a little, little shady, a little bit on the old shade side. It gives me the ick, as the kids like to say. Yeah, but it also gives me a little bit of the icks if uh, <laughs> if. If the if the oil companies are making record profits, I record profits, I understand, and, not, and blaming it on uh, environmental movements. But I mean, okay, but Spike, you and I have gone over this before mm-hmm. with the whole cap and trade thing. About, I, get, I get it. There's about, there's a lot to uh, there a lot, we're being charged a lot, right? But that's to offset the cost of everything that they have to do that Inslee imposed on mm-hmm. them. And so, and there was there was that whistleblower economist who was hired, and he came out and he said, "I told him it was going to be like fifty cents yeah, to a not, dollar not, increase, not pennies." Well, a lot of pennies, and what they I told them. Right. <laughs> yeah. You were, no, and I they didn't you. listen to me, right? So, all right, speaking of things that aren't going well for people, Boeing has been in the news with their 737 MAX, and the chief of the Federal Aviation Administration said on Tuesday that his agency is midway through a review of manufacturing at Boeing, but he's already seeing the changes in how the government oversees Boeing as a manufacturer. Do we have any audio from this, Laura, or is it, or we just have to read right off the transcripts? He says, given what happened with the plug door on Alaska Airlines Flight 1282, it's hard to call that oversight sufficient. So we're looking at the process and what additional steps need to be taken. When I looked into this spike, I literally wasted hours of my life last night because I need to distract myself. There's an empty hole in my heart where uh, a wife and children should be. (laughs) So what I do in order, because I can't drink it away. Okay. You know what I mean? And I can't go back to freebasing heroin because that would just be an awful trope. 
So I just waste my time researching, just sitting there. A workaholism is what I think my psychiatrist calls it. Okay. I don't know what he's talking about. He's always saying, man, you got to take a break. Man, you got to relax, whatever that means. Sure. I go, Unclench your shoulders right, a little bit. Just right. And I say, sun. I say, dude, I pay you $300 an hour to tell me how good I am. All right. Just quit bringing me <laughs> fair, down. Aren't you, aren't you supposed to make me feel better about myself there, Sigmund? Isn't there redundancy in his job and mine, though? Because I spent 300 telling you how great you are. So I look into the last 25 years of Boeing. Well, really, I went all the way back to the 90s of Boeing and the 737 and how it was like a big deal for them when it first came out and looked at the amount of accidents that have been involved with 737. And I looked into all the various and sundry major uh, manufacturing errors that are happening with 737s. Mm-hmm. And what I found was a pattern because we are temporal creatures with our temporal lobes and we see patterns. Okay. And what I saw was about every five years or so, Boeing has an issue with one of their planes. And then lo and behold, they fix it. And then people buy more 737s because they fix it. Huh. Isn't that crazy? That's so just weird. like how, you know, like Toyota or any other company, sometimes they have to recall cars and fix sure. it. Yeah. About every five year about every five years, Boeing does the same thing. Now, there have been instances of landing gear not coming down. Mm. There have been instances of uh, the the doors, emergency doors popping over ever, open ever so slightly. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of these things. You can go read about it any time. Crazy thing is, is that nobody cared until there was a gigantic hole in the plane. Good video. <laughs> Again, good video. Yeah. And now everybody cares. And But my sneaking suspicion about this, Spike, is it gets a little bit more conspiratorial. Gets a little bit, little bit on the old conspiracy side here. How so? Do you remember what happened during COVID-19 when the airline industry started to fail? And the federal government said, hey, guys, we'll go ahead and we'll buy 5% of the airline industry. In yeah, because yeah. no one could travel. No one can right, travel. Right. An we'll, essential part of our economy. And we'll offset some of that debt you guys are building up. I'm just saying, what if the feds go to some of these manufacturers and they say, gee whiz, lovely company you got there. Be a shame if somebody... <laughs> Somewhere to happen to Somewhere to happen to that fine company. Why don't we just oh, go wow. ahead and purchase a couple more percentage points off the top well, right there. And I can make sure that, uh, what's his name, Whitaker... Yeah, maybe he looks the other way. Maybe he does. Hey, maybe my boys got a project elsewhere. Name the movie <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. That's right. That's all I'm saying. Tell your many my boys to be busy. I'll tell you. <laughs> thank you for that fine pie. Sure, thank, be sure to thank your wife for this delicious pie. Uh, so my point is, is that it seems a little weird, being that this happens about every five years. And now this this is the time where all of a sudden it's, we got to get somebody down there to take a look at it. Well, the bolts aren't manufactured. The bolts that everybody's talking about, yeah. they're supposed to hold the plug door in place. Those aren't manufactured by Boeing. Where are they manufactured, Spike? It's in like Wichita, right? Well, it, well, it wasn't the bolts that were manufactured. It was that they weren't put in. Right. That was at Wichita, right? It was an assembly operation in Wichita, Kansas. Okay. And I would posit out there that ever since Boeing decided to leave the Northwest, for uh, cheaper pastures Base. in South Carolina or Wichita, Kansas, or wherever, they've seen a decline in quality. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's hard to ignore. Every five years, something happens. And I love the fact that if it happens, they fix it. It's Every still time. The, it's the safest way to travel by far. Right. Uh, uh, can't argue it. There has not been a major plane, you know, a, a catastrophic failure of a plane in 25 years in the United States. It's true. So and some people might say, what about 9-11? That's not catastrophic failure. Uh, it wasn't, no. That's no. terrorism. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what about Boeing overseas? Boeing overseas is a different story, but that's okay. because they have different regulatory bodies right. in different countries, which is part of the reason why, if you look at that panel that came off of that plane, 
different countries have different requirements for the amount of emergency exits that each plane yes, needs. Based on seating, yes. Based on seating. Yep. So those planes uh, are designed to have those seats removed. I didn't make a popping noise, but they pop off. The seats pop off, and then the, that plug door becomes an emergency exit, being if it's for Malaysia or for any other airline or Turkish Airways or whatever it might be. So... What I see here is no different the Tesla recall, the Nissan recall, right, whatever the, the it is. The airbag recall that Laura and I were subjected to a couple months ago, weeks ago. Right. And that was across multiple brands. It, stuff happens. Corrections are made. Safety is still paramount. Did you know that in a Boeing plant, I forget what my sister-in-law was telling me, inside the lobby of the, not the, a headquarters, a Boeing headquarters, not manufacturing at all, there's a wreck, there's, there's plane wreckage. There is a wrecked, full wrecked 737 in the lobby of corporate offices at Boeing. They remind- crashed it there and no, nobody no. cleaned it up? <laughs> no, what, dude, what is this? This is breaking news, Spike. You're telling me that somebody crashed a plane and nobody no, cleaned it up? They they actually cleaned up a crash site and brought it in and placed this wrecked plane in the lobby of Boeing's corporate headquarters mm-hmm. to remind everybody every day that safety's job one. That's like why here at Cairo, we have John Curley's first contract from like 2009 ripped in half Boom, and it's framed. Framed in the lobby. Framed in the lobby. framed with matting so and everything. you know that you can get fired after just six weeks into your two-year <laughs> contract. Isn't that right? I think that's it's right. It's a cautionary tale. Cautionary yeah. tale that we look at every single day that we walk in and we see it says it says John it says Jonathan on one half Curly well, Curly's on the on other the half. other half yeah and a big old tear right down the <laughs> middle and then the weird thing is that the number the dollar amount redacted weird interesting Am I, is that thanks right? a lot CIA right exactly yeah. so yeah. You need to know that's ma- that's macabre and dark and they shouldn't do that why not have a nice koi pond. Because it reminds people that safety is everything. I think it reminds people that death is inevitable <laughs> well, and that time is a flat circle. And we're doomed to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. You know, Nietzsche was something of a prophet. Speaking of, by the way, a record number of Americans can't afford their rent. This is a story that was brought forth by the AP. And basically they do this thing. This is what uh, the AP loves to do. They take a, a story of somebody who's suffering yeah. and someone who's having the worst time. And they use it as a, a narrative device to frame the rest of the story in a three-act huh. narrative, right? Okay. Single mom, Caitlin Colbert, yeah. watched as rent for her two-bedroom apartment doubled, then tripled, and then quadrupled over a decade in Denver, from $750 to $3,374 wow. last year. Every month, like millions of Americans, Colbert juggled her costs pay to rent or swim team fees for one of her three kids, rent or school supplies, rent or groceries. Colbert, a social worker who helps people stay financially afloat, would often arrive home to notices giving her 30 days to pay rent and a late fee or face eviction. This doesn't make me want to read this article. This makes me want to go help that poor woman. Start, you know? start a GoFundMe. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This yeah. says it. I understand well, that we're now getting into... St- like this is to hook me in, yeah, but it's yeah. a, it's not exactly like we were somewhere outside of Barstra, uh, Barstow when the drug started to take effect. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's a great. Yeah. It doesn't exactly draw me in, and that it just says, okay, so now I got to g- reach out to Caitlin Colbert and well, give her some money. It's it's putting a face on the story so people can better relate. I relate right. to it. I, I live you, in Eastlake. You know, this armed robbery happens just right down the street from the studio. Once a month. Once a month. <laughs> because Okay, here's the crazy thing about my apartment. It's supposed to be a one-bedroom. Laura, you know this story, right, about my apartment? You haven't how, been to my how apartment. How you got such a great deal on rent. Right. So yeah. Laura's not allowed in my apartment for reasons that we won't go into. 
she's messy. But Spike has been to my apartment many times, and it is a one-bedroom apartment. It is the size of a one-bedroom apartment. And the geniuses who constructed it said, hey, uh, on these blueprints, there's supposed to be a retaining wall right in the middle of this thing. We don't need to put that up, do we? So I just have a, a, a closet that sits directly in the middle of my apartment with no wall. No wall. No and support for the, 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 the levels above you. I don't want to point that out to you while you sign the lease. And for some reason, that makes that cheaper, but it's still basically armed robbery every time I have yeah. to pay for it. But when I think about the the rent going up, uh, you got to go back. You got to blame Obama for this. Everybody knows that. It's Obama's fault. And there we go. There's your talk radio for the day. Well, the, the, I thought the story was millions can't afford to pay their rent. It's Obama's fault. Okay. It's, that's what happened <laughs> with Obama. Okay. But, so, but basically what's going on is that if I can recontextualize it for people, you have apartment complexes that are pricing against the market as opposed to what people can actually pay. It's the simplest way I yeah, can put yeah, it. Yeah, that's really, that's it. This is, a, that's this is a, the mistake that the, that the car industry is making right now, which is they're doing market prices, manufacturers suggested retail price on vehicles, Outside of what people can pay. No offense to anybody out there, but if you if you're spending seventy five k on a minivan, that's not exactly a sound financial decision. Do you know what I mean? I'm here mortgage or mortgages. That should be mortgages. Car payments now have been stretched from the standard was five years, sixty months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's six years. It's seven yeah, years. Yeah, right. You, to get this seventy five thousand dollar minivan, you need for the family because it's got TVs in the back to keep the monsters happy while you're driving. Right, so, right. You got to stretch those payments out over seven years. So people the, are paying five, seven hundred bucks a month for a car. This is what I'm saying is that so what needs to happen is that the I understand that people say well the market dictates that's the price, but. Like, coincidentally, in my apartment complex, are very expensive. There's a lot of empty units because people just can't afford to live right, there. Right. So are they now, are they pricing themselves out of the market? Mm. And this is Economics 101. Yes, because this is what's happening in the car industry. This is why used car sales have gone through the roof. Right. Because nobody wants to buy a new car. Because they're getting priced out of the market. And so everybody who says, like, oh, well, this is, the, this is a wage issue, partially, but I would also say that it's a, another issue would be like corporate greed and, and not understanding that you have to, if you want to have customers, you have to actually have a product that they can afford. That, yeah, 101. Right. So um, the answer is always more affordable housing. Yes, that's right. It's not not let the market dictate and have the prices come down because we've got so many empty units. Right, exactly. You, it's it's got to be a little bit of both, right? Yeah, it's got to be a combination of all those things. And, and also, you know, maybe instead of making a, a, a 30% profit month over month as a corporate land baron, you decide that 28% is good enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. But unfortunately, if you're a corporation, you can't lose any money. No, you got law. a fiduciary responsibility to your Fidu- to your investors right, to get so, the maximum amount of profit. Hey, speaking of, by the way, Spike, we could, unless you got anything else you want to no, add no, on no. that, I was get, I wanted to talk about this story about how great SPD has been recently because there's been so many stories about all the drugs they've been seizing, mm-hmm. and we haven't talked about one of these in a long time. Seattle's kind of quickly becoming a little bit like Florida man, right? A little well, bit of the old Florida man. We get the weirdest, the wildest. They're right here. Right. So Seattle police seized more than 30 pounds of methamphetamine in an arrest of two suspected drug traffickers during a narcotics operation in South Seattle, according to SP. The investigation into the drug traffickers, they're allegedly brothers. They're bros. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and they also had an incredible amount of uh, heroin on them. They had a four, uh, 408 grams of heroin, $5,500 in cash. That meth, by the way, street value is about $120,000. So and 30 pounds? 30 pounds. But my thought about this was, why do we got to break up family businesses? Why do we got to... <laughs> 
why we got to go after small independent small businessmen small businessmen yeah, family just, owned just trying to make their way through the world sure. yeah. selling pounds of meth you know yeah pounds Pound- of soap pounds of meth who am i to judge sure is what i'm saying on right. this issue you know we let girl scouts go because it's a big corporation but the family business right Right, maybe they inherited from their father. Maybe their father was a, uh, their grandfather was a bootlegger. Right, exactly. Right, family right. business passed down. They evolved. Listen, some people have skills in woodworking. Some people have skills in the, in the arts. Some people have skills selling math. And I just feel like maybe we need to have a little bit more appreciation for things that maybe we don't understand. And maybe you need to check your bigotry at the door, Laura. I see you over there <laughs> laughing at this these poor. Coming down on yeah. these poor brothers for oh, selling drugs. It reminds me of that Einstein quote of like, if you asked a fish to climb a tree, you'd think it was a terrible, right. terrible at what, exactly. what it's trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. You put what that these fish guys- in water, it can sell all the meth in the world. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Uh, but in all seriousness, I'm glad this happened, and also the, the fact that it was it was several months of detectives yeah. working with yep. SPD coordinating a multi agency investigation. This is a large drug trafficking operation. 30 pounds of meth is a huge amount of meth, being that meth is often sold by the gram. Yeah. So you break it down in that way. 30 pounds. 30 pounds, right? Or like what I used to call a Tuesday. I said a... a, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. What I used to call a Tuesday... Because I used to do a lot of drugs, Andrew. Andrew, we do this joke at least once a week. <laughs> They're saying street value of one hundred and twenty thousand dollars on the meth, not oh. including the heroin, not including the cash. Well, the, the heroin—that's the one that I find kind of a little suspicious on because it's four hundred and eight grams worth of heroin, and then you and I were going back and forth about the street because I've been out of the heroin yeah, game for I, almost and I a never decade. got in, right? Wood. So in my mind, I don't know if it's more expensive now or if it's le- less expensive in King County or what. You know, I have no idea what the prices of drugs, street drugs, are anymore because I'm out of that world. Right? We, we had a story. Uh, we, it was been a while ago, as I was still doing Kyra Nights when we did the story. But heroin had dropped in price below cocaine. What? It was, had dropped in price. There was so much of it coming into the, in the the, the area. <laughs> my indignance on I that. Know, what? That way, that was that's crazy. That's like you saying I can buy the steak for five bucks, but the mac and cheese is twenty two fifty. Oh, no, my reflex on that is startles me. Was, was genuine. That it was, was authentic. A, that was an authentic. <laughs> that was an authentic expression of my inner drug addict. What? An instant how, how outrage. Dare they? That I said, how dare they drop it below? But, well, I think by this number, it's probably still the same. Yeah, it's probably you know? probably pretty pricey at that point in time. And the, the point we're trying to make is, good job, Seattle Police Department. Yeah, thank you, SPD. Seriously, man. We, you know, we, all the drugs are confiscating. It's like all the people are catching at the border. You know what they are? They're catching people. Right. They're finding <laughs> drugs. They're confiscating. They're busting drug rings. This, right. is gr- this is great news. Hey, speaking of, by the way, there was this article in the Tri-City Herald that was talking about, it says, can I get in trouble for giving the middle finger to a Washington cop. And I saw that and I go, clickbait article. But then I realized I don't actually know the law on this. And I, I can tell you firsthand, I didn't either. Right. And so there's a lot of people out there that might be thinking that their free speech extends That's what I want. into their hands, but maybe not so much. So we'll talk about it when we get back right after this. Spike, I'm doing God's work over here. On the internet in between commercial breaks. Really? Trying to get this guy that I met on the internet, trying to get him to go to rehab. He doesn't want to go. <laughs> wow. 
I'm just saying, you ever you ever just talk to a stranger on the internet about their drug addiction? I uh, no, I can honestly tell you I haven't done that. So oh, it's commendable. What uh, I, what I do is I peruse the drug addict subreddits that are out there where all the drug addicts go to brag to brag about their drug addiction. Okay, okay. And I try to I'm like the predator. I'm in the background. You know what I mean? Where I'm just look. I'm just lurking. Lurking. Yeah. Cr- I wish I could do that. <laughs> That's that voice either. Right, and then I try to find the weak link in okay. in the bunch. And yeah, I but go, you're trying to help, not collect skulls. Well, big difference. Yeah, but so big I, tr- I try to find, I try to look for different things that someone is saying about their drug addiction, whatever it might be. And if I see a little bit of chink in the old armor, that's when I say, "Hey, man, you ever think about just a really casual? Hey, yeah. man, you ever think about going to rehab?" And nine times out of ten, they go, "I tried. It doesn't work." And then what's interesting is that the more that you talk to people about. Hey, but, you know, rehab's pretty cool, right? And they're like, I, just, I don't know, the last rehab I went to was cool. And like, yeah, but you can always go to a different rehab. What's interesting, I've done this, I don't know how many dozens of times. Okay. I don't know how many people have actually gone, right? Okay. But I've had this conversation, again, dozens and dozens and dozens of times with people. It's always fascinating that it they always end up at, at a position of, I need to get off of drugs, right? Good. They yeah. never, ever, ever say... I'm going to keep doing this because I enjoy it or whatever it is. Time never, of my life, Jack. Time right. of my life. Every single time, they're just always like, oh, I'm going I'm to back out of this. Do you, oh, what? I'm, 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 it's commendable what you're doing. I'm, I'm really, that's Well, really I deleted is. Twitter, so now I got to go do some of your time. <laughs> How are you doing on that? You okay on that? You still off? No, I'm having a bad time with it, but oh, that's yeah? going to be our digital exclusive today because okay, okay. I got to save all my withdrawal jokes from Twitter. Can I, can I ask you really before you move off of this? Yeah, how yeah, how yeah, do yeah. you know when people are being genuine? On this, because my greatest fear about the internet is that is cat is it called catfishing? Catfishing. It's not just about dating. So, it's right. It's about people misrepresenting who they are. So this one that I peruse, generally what people do is they post pictures of whatever drugs they buy. Okay. And because oh. they're bragging to each other, right? I got X amount of fentanyl. I got X amount of heroin. I got X amount of oxycontin. Whatever it is. And then I try to find the, uh, the the weak fish in the group, and then I say, "Who wants out?" You ever yeah. think about going to rehab? I yeah. say it in exactly that voice every single time. <laughs> Good and for you, man. What, the thing is, man, is that not enough people. I think in the, so. What they, what drug addicts have done in their personal lives is they they've lied to everybody around them about mm-hmm. their drug use, yeah. right? Yeah. And then they go on the internet and they showcase the money that they just wasted on prescription pills or heroin or whatever it is. That's a cry for help. Yeah, it is. That's yeah. not normal, yeah, right? That's not a nor- like normal human internet activity is here's my goat cheese salad, mm. here are my cats hugging. Right. Right. If somebody's here's our trip to Cabo. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If somebody is posting the paraphernalia that they've purchased, that to me is akin to a child leaving their diary open for mom to read. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's yeah. a little bit of a cry for help there. And unfortunately, drug addicts love to commiserate and they never s- snap each other into reality. So they all just kind of commiserate with each other about how awesome it is being drug addicts. And then ever so often, like a little fairy godmother, I descend onto this subreddit and I say, you ever think about going to rehab? And then they, <laughs> sometimes I believe. I, I hope it works, man. I'm, I, I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah. Well, the reason I say that is because I get a lot of criticism for talking about drug addiction so much on this show. But the reason I talk about it so – thank you so much, Andrew. The reason I talk about it so much – if you look on, if you go on Reddit, by the way, the biggest criticism of me, why people don't listen to the show, oh, he's always talking about his drug use, which is true. Granted, it's totally true. But if we can help one person. But if you can help one person. Yes, thank you. If you get a one person, is that not, is that not worth it? You t- telling people, like, go to rehab, and they're like, I don't want to. And you go, come on, just go to rehab. And they're like, hey, I don't like it. Everybody out there knows somebody that's struggling. 
Everybody. That's all I'm saying, so, man. You know, I just think one of the issues is a lot of people don't want to talk about their drug addiction because we demonize people who are suffering and ill. And, and it's the anonymity of social media where they feel like they can actually exactly, be honest. Exactly, exactly. So I'm catching them. I'm like the predator, and you're Shane Black, <laughs> and you're just walking through the you're walking through the jungle reading comic books, and I'm gonna stab you from behind and rip out your skull. Go to rehab. That's what I say to you. Hoist it over my head. You ever think about going to rehab? Is I ho- <laughs> hoist your skull over my well, just, just their addiction. You hoist yeah, your addiction. Exactly. So we got this article in the tri- Tribune, the Tri City Herald. Long and short of it is: is can you give the middle finger to a cop? Now, when I read this, I went excellent clickbait, excellent one hundred percent great clickbait article. However, I don't know the answer to it. I didn't know, and so I read the article. And as it turns out, in some instances, yes, and in some instances, no. Right. And almost always the cop gets to decide what that instance is. <laughs> yeah, how do you like your odds now? So if it's a, dis- you can get a disorderly <laughs> conduct. Correct. You can get a, what was the other, there was a, a huge list of them that are uh, using abusive language to intentionally create risk of assault, intentionally disrupting any lawful assembly or meeting without lawful authority, yeah. intentionality, intentionally obstructing traffic without lawful authority. And then engaging in fighting tumultuous conduct or unreasonable noise within 500 feet of a funeral burial viewing, funeral procession or memorial service, knowing it would adversely affect the event. So, yeah, if you if you give the old uh, the middle finger in those circumstances and the, or the cop wants to apply those to you, that's what you get. Can I tell you how it played out for me in real life? Yeah, please do. So uh, I'll give you a quick backstory. I'm driving through my, my hometown uh, on a Sunday morning at 7 a.m., and I get stopped for uh, going 33 and a 25. Cop writes me a ticket, right? And I go and I go get coffee. I go get my coffee at 7 on Sunday morning mm-hmm. at the coffee stand my wife liked. And I come coming back and I see the cop still sitting there. So I flip him off as I drive by. Not, you know, 20 minutes after getting a ticket from this guy, I mm-hmm. flip him off. Mm-hmm. He pulls out behind me with lights on, pulls me over. And I'm like, you got to be kidding, right? It's like lights registration. I'm like, for, for what? I said, I know I wasn't speeding. You just caught me speeding 20 minutes ago. <laughs> he said, well, your seatbelt's not on. I'm like, you're kidding, right? And so he pulled me over for flipping him off, but he wrote, not only did he write me for the for the seatbelt, <laughs> I didn't have my insurance card on the car. Got written oh. up for no insurance card. Then he wrote me for obstructing, uh, was it obstructing the uh, 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 law enforcement in the performance of their duties. He said that him flipping me off caused him to pull me you over. You flipping him off. Me flipping him off caused him to pull me over, and which which obstructed his ability to run a speed gun. Ta-da! Oh, I thought you, you were going to say waste waste his time. That's what that's what he's saying. Okay. Spike, let me I was wasting his time because he couldn't he couldn't be monitoring speed flow oh, if he was okay, busy okay, okay. pulling me over. Get, why would you? Because I was a petulant little d bag. That's why. Well, I'm just saying. I that, said to him, "You miss doing real police work." Oh yeah. You just keep a cash register on your dashboard to save time with the court system. I was an a. I was an a. No. When I massively when I get pulled over. It's 10 and 2, yes sir, no oh. sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. Well, that's what it is now for me, but right. I haven't learned the hard You know way. how many tickets I've gotten out of just by being friendly and nice? You know what else I do? The second that their lights come on, I hit the, I'm going to the... You, I'm, you, I'm, you I'm, comply. I'm, I comply. Oh, I, compl- I comply, but I was, I, was an, I was wrong. I'm just I saying, a child. there's a way to get out Terrible. of tickets, and it's, it's a... It's that, and I didn't have it. Be nice. The old nice. Patrick Swayze, right? We'll yeah. take a really quick break when we get back. <laughs> There's this um, there's this weird thing that people are doing now where they're tracking famous people's planes and then putting that information 
on the internet. They did that to Musk. They did it to Musk. Right. And people are suing over this. And there's probably going to be legislation on it because it is a form of stalking. And Laura is suffering from severe withdrawals because we haven't talked about her favorite celebrity in about a day. So now we're going to do another story involving her favorite celebrity when we get back (laughs) right after this. You know who's living a semi-charmed kind of life? Who's that? Tulsi Gabbard. Because nobody can run a failed presidential campaign like Tulsi Gabbard and then pivot that into a career as a grifter, right? Isn't that so amazing where now she's beloved by all? You notice how that happens? The grift drift? Mm -hmm. You ever hear about this uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you start out, she's out there, and she's saying, we need to get some more moderates back in politics. We need to get get back to the center of this country. And everyone's like, Tulsi, Tulsi, right? She served in the military. Yeah, yeah. She's a, a, a representative from Hawaii, yeah. beautiful woman, yep. got everything that anybody, she's smart, eloquent. Everyone's like, wow, what a great centrist candidate. And then she loses, and then all of a sudden she starts saying, you know... Something a little weird about all these COVID lockdowns. Am I right or am I right? Something a little weird about all these COVID shots that are going into You know, it's yep, a little yep, weird yep. about, you're not going to be shooting me up with no 5G. I'm Tulsi Gabbard. I'm going to be living free. I'm not going to be one of your walking antennas with the mm-hmm. squids in my veins. And on top of that, I actually secretly like Donald Trump. I just never said it when I was on the campaign trail, and now I've got a right-wing podcast, and I'm on the five. That's what we call the good old grift drift, right? Know where your audience is. She's on the five. Yeah. The five is where Tulsi Gabbard is. Now, I remember my very good hippie friend, Alex, who I did radio with. He paint, He was so impressed with Tulsi and her centrism. Mm-hmm. He painted the back of his truck, uh, the, the Tulsi banner, when she was running. No for, kidding. Yeah. Big old fan of Tulsi. And now look at where she is. Now, the reason that this is important is because life was so much better when we didn't know everything all of the time about everybody, right? I don't particularly want to know. What Tulsi Gabbard's grift is, I want her to live in my mind as a centrist who lost a presidential election. Okay. In the same way that for the last how many weeks I've not been able to escape Taylor Swift stories for whatever reason. The internet has ruined us as a society. I used to, you know, when I was a kid, one of the biggest artists out there was Gwen Stefani, mm-hmm. right? Remember yeah, that? sure, of course, no doubt. A few times been around that track, that was a big old track when I was, mm-hmm. I knew nothing about Gwen Stefani. I knew that she was in No Doubt. I didn't know who she was married to. I didn't know if she had any kids. Mm-hmm. She just danced around with little Japanese girls. Not that big of a deal. I know more about Taylor Swift than I know about members of my own family. Not by my choice. (laughs) Not by my choice, but because it is literally shoved in front of my eyeballs every day of my life, mostly by Laura. Thanks for that, Laura. Oh, anytime. And now Taylor Swift is demanding that a college student stop tracking her private jet. Now, this is uh, there was that kid who also did it to Elon Musk. Same kid, isn't it? Same kid. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's probably going to be legislation about this because it is an invasion of privacy and it does show stalkers. Basically, it's a form of digital stalking, which is giga cringe. More importantly, though, I thought the I think the world was a lot better when we didn't have so much access to everything all of the time. I, I would agree with you. As we just, I would we, totally agree was, with you on that. People had a lot more space to think about themselves in a philosophic way 
Am I a good person? What does it mean to be a moral person? What does it mean to be a kind person? What does love actually mean? These are deep philosophic concepts. And most people, if I ask them these questions, they'll be like, that's a Taylor Swift song, right? Love? <laughs> that's the second song on her most recent record. Love, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Blank space. So, but let me ask you this, though. Isn't it great that Taylor Swift is going to fix this problem no. for us? No. Sure it is. Sure it is. No. Taylor Swift fixes problems. No. Is- Elon Musk couldn't fix it. Nobody cared when this when this kid was tracking Elon Musk's jet. They said he deserves it. Elon Musk is a is a baron. He's terrible. He's bad for society. Mm-hmm. Remember when concert tickets prices went through the roof, and you couldn't get to see Taylor Swift for under two grand. This what is happened? a scene. This is a scene that plays out between Spike and I every single day, right around this time, where I have the red pill and the blue pill in my hands, and I go, "If you take this pill, you go back to sleep, and if you take this pill, then you can wake up and realize that this is all a facade." And you go, "Give me the whole bottle of those pills that'll put me to sleep." Them all. I don't want to think about anything. I want to think about concert tickets, and I want to completely refute. I guess my point was, once once he couldn't get to see Taylor, they fixed the problem, and they had a congressional hearing. Right when uh, when there was uh, AI nude pictures, who cares? AI nude pictures of Taylor. Swift? Coming no, down. no, no, no. We're getting a con- we're getting a congressional hearing on that. Don't right. we have tech in Seattle about uh, whose billionaires, like which billionaire's yacht is causing you to wait for the bridge? Coincidentally, that's what John Curley's going to be talking about coming up next. <laughs> is Taylor, is Taylor coming through the, the cut? Through the locks, yeah. Uh, Andrew, A plus today. Excellent job with those drops, my friend. Nate Connor's best looking guy in the building. Always an A plus. Thank you. Always. Never not an A plus. Laura, solid A minus today. Ooh. Didn't, get, didn't get that audio that I wanted, but that's fine. Spike, you get D. Could I, could I, I was going to say, could I ask just to have it in private? Not the, the you grade. get D. Okay. You get D today for, okay. for, go, for going to sleep back into the Matrix. That's so sorry. <laughs> Here's your quote of the day. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? Are you trying to tell me, sir, that there are scantily clad men who port? are s- serving a, a delicious <laughs> after-dinner port in the nude? Any cigars and cleavage, you're saying? <laughs> I'd never Ooh. heard of such a Sign thing. I do believe that is what we might consider to be hallowed.